With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show on which we explore the story of you through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner, producer of the show. Super happy to have you here, excited that you're with us. We have a very special episode today with our host, Ian Cron, and he's going to walk us through some uh, really important questions we should be asking ourselves. Before I move to our host, I want to remind you that Ian's book dropped on December 28th. Now you can get his book, The Story of You, wherever fine books are sold. And the audio book is also available, so make sure you check that out. And now, without any further ado, I want to welcome the host of our show, Ian Morgan Cron. Ian, welcome to the show. Hey, hey. I'm super excited about this one today. Me too, man. Yeah, we're making a little pivot. You, you... Ever since I've known you, you've always collected great questions. You have a book of questions, and uh, I've always been fascinated. Actually, I was talking with uh, your assistant, Wendy, the other day, and we uh, we talked about it. it'd be nice to, to take a peek into that book. So, uh, But we get to take a peek to, to, today with all of our people. So um, as I said, we're going to ask some questions. You're going to give our people some questions. And one of the cool things we're going to do is every day this week, Starting today, when we drop this episode, all the way through to next week, every day you're going to uh, post a question on social media as well as what we're doing here today. So this is going to be a really interactive, fun experience. Um, so I'm going to pass it to you, and let's start with the first question. Which one are we going to start with? Well, let me just start by saying it's true that I love questions. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not just because I'm a therapist uh, and an Episcopal priest, but I have always been more interested in questions than answers. Mm. Uh, I think the reason is, is that, one, I think we, most of us already have the answers to life's big questions. Wow. It's just that we're waiting for someone to come along with the key to open the door to uh, the answers that we, we have already in our hearts and in mm. our souls and in our minds. And the, the key to that is great questions, mm -hmm. right? Uh, probably more than any single other piece of input in my life, what has driven change in me has been great questions. Wow. You know? Uh, they upend you. They mm -hmm. subvert your assumptions. They throw you back on your heels. Mm -hmm. They uh, they stop you in your tracks. They um, <laughs> they force you to uh, go inside and really wrestle with ideas and feelings uh, that can really change the direction of your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had more questions change the direction of my life. And. Um your brand new book, The Story of You, actually opens with a question. It does. That you were asked. Why don't you start with that story a little bit, and then we'll dive into these questions that you uh, are going to bring to the table today. Yeah, so in The Story of You, uh, in the opening, I, I talk about my first 12-step recovery sponsor. His name was Jack. Jack was a Jungian therapist and an Episcopal priest. Mm -hmm. And 
I was a, you know, a 28 year old guy, uh, lost in the world, uh, struggling to find sobriety. And, uh, one, one night he, uh, volunteered me to speak at what's called a speaker's meeting Mm -hmm. and speaker meetings are a format in 12 step recovery groups where a person stands up, shares what their like was life like before, Mm -hmm. uh, what their, uh, uh, how, how they got to where they are and then what, what has their life been like since they've come into recovery? Mm. Right. Okay. Like what got you here and then what, yeah. what's your life like been like since you've been in recovery? So I told my story and it was such an Enneagram four story. It was ridiculous when I look back. I mean, it was, it was so full of angst. It was depressed. It was existentially tortured. You know, it, it, <laughs> it, it had all those elements. And uh, I had interpreted everything that had ever happened to me in my life as negative, mm. you know, and uh, and I was a victim mm-hmm. in the story all the time. And so we're sitting in my car after I gave my talk to about 200 people, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said to me at one point, Ian, have you ever wondered uh, if you're living in the wrong story? Wow. That, that launched me on uh, a multi-decade struggle to figure out mm-hmm. if I was living in the wrong story and how I could get out of it. How it's could I possibly question. get out of it? Yeah. Now, he had been dead for decades, mm-hmm. and I'm still asking that question. Wow. And that question, as I said, inspired the story of you. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it has continued to bring real change and healing in my life as because it, it inspired me to get out of an old, broken, untrue story mm-hmm. and live into a new one. And I know you, a uh, little bonus uh, question or quote, I should say not a question, but Mo Willems, you, you famously quote him. Uh, he says, if you're living in the wrong, if you find yourself living in the wrong story, leave. Yes. And that's really the purpose of your book is to identify the story that you're living in and how can you move to a brand new, better story? Yes. And it identifies the stories that each type on the Enneagram typically inhabits, right? Uh, typically subscribes to mm-hmm. when they're young. Yeah. Right. So we've got questions that we're going to give people today that will help them move to a better story. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, each Enneagram type will tend to answer it or, or wrestle with each of these questions in a different way. I love that. And yeah. so uh, I, I put them out there. I think, if they're for, I think each question can be important for every single type on the Enneagram. Yeah. But just with an awareness that each of them are going to handle that question differently. Yeah. And I love that you, you call these courageous questions. Yeah, these are courageous questions. Love it. Okay. Uh, why don't you um, line them up and hit us with the first one? Yeah, so um, this is another story about my current sponsor uh, in my 12-step program. Mm-hmm. I, I love this guy. He, ha- he is a master of asking courageous questions. Mm-hmm. He rarely tells me, if ever, really, you should do this or mm. you should do that. He'll ask me a question that leads me to the answer that I already know. Wow. You know, like I already know the answer yeah. to the question, and then it, it forces me to do something. So... One time I was deeply afraid of something, Mm -hmm. of having had the possibility of needing to have uh, a 
conversation with somebody that could end in conflict mm-hmm. and even the breaking of the relationship. Mm. Okay. And I was just, should I have it? Should I not have it? Should I have it? Should I say something? And then, you know, then I start going, you know, rationalizing why I shouldn't, uh-huh. uh, trying to duck out of it, you know, whatever. Right. So I called him up, which is what you're supposed to do in these situations with your sponsor. And he just over the phone, he said, okay, so what would you do if you weren't afraid right now? And then it's like, I instantly knew what the you answer knew. was. Yeah. I need to make this call. It's going to be uncomfortable. I'm not going to like it. I have to risk the relationship. Yeah. If I'm going to have integrity, this is what I have to do. And he said, when I told him that, he goes, okay, call me. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he said, great, call me back in an hour. <laughs> After you've had the conversation. After you've had the conversation. like, And wow. have it right now is what he was wow. saying. Right? Yes, He's right. like, okay, call me back in an hour. Oh, that's and, so good. And I did it. Uh-huh. And of course, none of that stuff that I feared actually happened. Mm-hmm. Not to say that it couldn't have. Right. But, but the reality is, is that so many times uh, we get stuck in fear. Mm-hmm. And just asking the question, well, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Yeah. It's like, I would do this. That's good. You know, I would, I would apply to graduate school. Mm-hmm. I would quit my job and go seek something else. Right. Uh, I would, um, you know... I mean, some big life questions mm-hmm. can be answered simply by asking yourself that question. That's so good. All right. Great. Number one. How about another question? Yeah. Um, so one of the questions that has saved me time and again, a lot of headache in relationships mm-hmm. um, is when, let's say Annie, uh, actually, this even happened this morning. Uh, she came home and was you know, kind of upset about an interaction. And I saw it from a completely different point of view, mm-hmm. right? I was like, yeah, I can see that, but maybe this the person who said that to you was having a bad day and it wasn't what you think and right. blah, 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 blah. And I could see her getting more and more kind of put off by the way I was talking to her about mm-hmm. this problem. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had asked this question, which I already knew. Mm. I, I, pr- I mean... It's like, I don't know. Sometimes you don't apply to yourself the very things you expect from what you ask others to do. Yeah. And, and the question would have been, do you want me to listen right now or offer advice? That's good. That right. Because so how many times have you gone into a conversation with somebody and you just start giving advice? Yeah. Or you start picking away at what they're saying. Or you're, or you're not really listening. You're just yeah. trying to shut the conversation, get past the conversation by offering advice and then hoping they'll shut up. Yeah. Right. And it's like, and then the person says, what? All I want you to stop offering advice. All I want you to do is listen to me. Yeah. That's all they, all, all Annie wanted this morning was for me to listen to her. Yeah. I'd say right? 90% of the time people just want you to be in it with them. Totally. Yeah. Like, here's an example. My son Aiden one time, uh-huh. we're having a conversation and he said to me, dad, I need you to be my father right now, not my therapist. It's good. And I was like completely like <laughs> TKO, man. I was just knocked out, you yeah, know, because yeah. it's like he was right. I was like talking to him, you know, like I was his therapist. Yeah. He needed me to listen to him as his dad. I had that uh, experience one time with my brothers and I was I was laying something pretty heavy on them. And I, I have a brother who has a tendency to interrupt you with some help. And uh, I just said, listen, before I even say this, I need y'all to not give me any advice. 
Don't tell me what to do. I just need you to be in it with me and hear me. Yeah. Well, you can certainly do that, but I think it's so healthy for the person uh, who's been approached yeah. with an issue to just be proactive and say, okay, so that I'm clear, Yeah. do you want me to just listen to you right now or do you want me to listen and then offer advice? That is so strong. Because <laughs> so clear. Yeah, and it just eliminates the possibility of screwing up the yep. whole conversation and having that. the other person storm out of the room. Yeah. Like, I just needed you to listen to me. <laughs> How many times has that happened to me? You know? Totally. That's a great relationship piece of advice there. All right, let's move to the next question. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Well, I had a question that um, when I was in rehab, mm -hmm. you know, obviously I was hurting and I had a whole backlog of um, hurt that I had not really brought out into the open. And I had stories of things that had happened to me and resentments and regrets uh, that I was carrying around and, I had, and that I had been carrying around for a long, long time. Mm. And I drank and drugged at those things, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I, that's what I used it. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, the pain that was uh, partly underlying or running underneath the, all my using, mm -hmm. right? This very kind woman, super kind, you know, a counselor. She listened to me tell my story with all of its hard parts. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me one moment and she had, she just had one of those holy faces, just really kind. Mm. And she said, I think you've endured enough already, don't you? That's good. I think you've endured enough already, don't you? And I have asked that question uh, of other people, and every time I do, you, the person kind of gets really quiet. Mm. Because the answer is almost always, yeah, I have. Isn't that a great question to ask yourself, too? Oh, my gosh. Don't you think even don't you think you've endured enough already? And that could be I mean and it has to be said in that kind tone. Yes. Don't you think you've endured enough already? That's right. And then there's a lot of self-understanding mm -hmm. that you can you know direct at yourself that compassion. But also man when 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 you ask people that it it makes them start to think I have now what do I do? Mhm. Mm Ooh, that's so good. what's the new direction I have to take to get out of it? Gosh, that's good. Love it. That's worth a little bit of silence there. Yeah, right. All right, here's another one that's okay. kind of related to that. All right. Okay. So again, I'm with, I'm with a, a therapist, and um, I was, I had shared some difficult resentments and, uh, things that uh, I, I just was carrying a lot of pain about. And uh, she said, um, how long are you going to carry that corpse around? <laughs> <laughs> I immediately think of Weekend at Bernie's when you say that. Yeah, right. Do you remember that where they, those two guys are carrying that dead corpse around like he's alive? Yes. <laughs> but it's like, and I, but the image of it really captured me. Oh my gosh. This thing like I've this heavy dead weight. Yeah. This smelly old corpse that 
slowing me down and making me feel sick? And it's a great question, right? How long are you going to carry this corpse around? So good. So it could be uh, the anger you have about towards someone that you know you recently divorced, mm-hmm. or maybe ten years ago you divorced, mm-hmm. or it it might be. Um, the feelings of guilt you have about not having been there for a child in a season mm. where they really needed you. Mm-hmm. Or, it, you know, the list can go on and on. Yeah, where and a then, message from your parents is still what, driving whatever. your life. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you just say to yourself, how long are you going to carry this corpse around? That's so good. I love, too, the humor in it. Because sometimes we need to sort of, you know, have a little levity in our, in our pain, right? Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> Absolutely. All right. Give us another one. Um, you know how sometimes you uh, feel like you feel this urge, this compulsion to say something. Mm -hmm. And it might not be a a great thing to say, but everything in you wants to say it. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had that experience? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And, you know, you almost want to say, I don't care what's going to happen. I just need to say it. Right, Right, right. So... One of the, this is a three-part question, but the questions are all related. Mm -hmm. When I start to have that feeling, I ask myself three questions. Okay. So I take a pause. Mm -hmm. I don't just blurt. Mm -hmm. Blurting has to, you you don't, 99% of the time, blurting doesn't help you. Right. Right. And uh, so the three questions are, does this need to be said? Does this need to be said now? Does this need to be said by me? Wow. Okay, slow that down and do it again. Does this need to be said? Does this need to be said now? Does this need to be said by me? Oh, my gosh. Those those three questions can save a relationship, right? Oh, totally. You know, because oftentimes it's not up to you to ask that question. Yeah. Or this is the wrong time yeah. to ask this question. It's a good, uh, to me, it's, it's a good question or a series of questions to help you figure out if you're making something about yourself mm-hmm. too, you know, instead of actually about the person who is, who needs the help or who is, who you're having the conversation with. Well, because a lot of times what we want to say is something that will relieve our pain. That's right. Or our discomfort in a situation rather than have it yeah. say something that is being said to help the other person. Yeah. And this helps you pause to make sure you pause, don't make that mistake. Yeah. And then say, does this need to be said? <laughs> does it need to be said right. now? Yeah. Does it need to be said by me? And obviously, if any of those you answer, you know, if you if you answer to the question, does this need to be said? And the answer is not really. Mm-hmm. Then stop there. That's right. Yeah. And then if if it's, if the question if the answer is yeah, it does need to be said. Then ask yourself, does it need to be said, said now? now? And oftentimes you have to look at the circumstance. Yeah. Right. You know, is the person freaking out right now? Mm-hmm. Mm, may may want to wait until the person's calmer. Yeah. Right. Or. Maybe you're you've got a lot of energy or anger behind it, mm-hmm. and it's probably not the right time. You need to process a little bit more before you say something. And then let's say you say yes to those two, and then you got to ask yourself, does it need to be said by me? Because oftentimes, you know, I could jump in when actually Anne needs to have 
be the person to, to mm-hmm. say that to a kid of mine. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, mm, it's better for her to say it. Right. Or, um, you know, uh, there, there are oftentimes other people from whom the statement or the conversation w- would come from much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, there's a lot of wisdom in that question right there. Okay, let's get two more before we wrap. Okay. Um, here's a question that sounds kind of silly, but when I unpack it, I think it'll be helpful. Okay. The question is, and this is good journaling material. Okay. Okay. A good prompt for journaling. The question is, who is your hero? Mm. Now, I've heard that question a million times, and oftentimes it's just like an icebreaker. Everyone goes around a circle and talks about who their hero is, and mm-hmm. that's not what I'm getting at. Yeah. So in Jungian psychoanalysis, or, right, or not psychoanalysis, and analysis, um, you, here's, the, here's the idea. That uh, you contain within you all of the attributes you admire in a hero. Mm. So wow. let me give you an example of this. One of my heroes is Yo-Yo Ma, the mm-hmm. cellist, right? Mm-hmm. Arguably the finest cellist in the world. Mm-hmm. Certainly the best known cellist in the world, right? Right. I, for whatever reason, I love Yo-Yo Ma. And not because he's a great, amazing cello player. It's because of his demeanor. It's his way of being in the world. If you've mm-hmm. ever seen him in interviews or mm-hmm. interacting or you've, you know, watched him it's it's amazing he is his face radiates so mm-hmm. much joy mm-hmm. so much surprise as if everything is a wonderful surprise yes. he's curious you know he doesn't just play with orchestras he'll do a record with james taylor he'll do a record with chris Teeley and uh goat rodeo mm-hmm. or and he just seems like so warm mm-hmm. and gracious and, and he's every, so accessible when he could be an elitist. You know? Yeah, I mean, you think if you saw him on an airplane, he would have a conversation with <laughs> right, you. Right, yeah. And be glad for the conversation. Right. Right. And I just admire him. So he's kind of a hero to me. And mm-hmm. so when someone said to me one time, who is your hero? I said, Yo-Yo Ma. Mm. Right. One of several heroes. But, you know, I threw that one out. And he goes, sure. okay, why? And I went through all those reasons. Mm. And then he said, well, you know that maybe the reason he's your hero is that inside of you, all of those potentials, all of those uh, capacities, you already possess them, but they're like latent. They're asleep wow. in you. Oh, man, I and, love that. And what you're getting is this kind of, kind of a projection mm-hmm. dynamic. And it might awaken you mm-hmm. to the idea or the fact that you already are the person that Yo-Yo Ma is. Oh my gosh. And all you have to do is awaken those things in you. You know the seeds of all those things are in you. Right. You unconsciously know that. And so when you have a hero, you should look at what is it I love about that That's person? That's amazing. I what love is it that. I Yeah, what is it I admire about that person? And then begin to work on those attributes. And in fact, begin to work on them as if. Mm. So it's like, well, act as if mm. you are a generous, joyful, mm. uh, curious, warm person. And guess what? You'll discover that it's not really hard for you to call those things forward because they're already in wow, you. It's like you're resonating with something that's kindred. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. So, in fact, I have a friend of mine, Matthew, who you know. Mm-hmm. He's really into Carl Jung. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has said to another person before, you know, 
you have attributes that that I think I have as well, but you manifest them openly. It's like they're very natural to you. I'm wondering if you would help me by carrying my potential and helping me to realize it. Wow. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's a great question. Would you would you mind carrying my potential for me? Wow. And then helping to call it out in Ooh, that's good. Isn't that good? That is so good. So I I yeah, I love that 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 question what who is your hero and then we'll mm. work it through for all the reasons i i just uh, i just mentioned okay so let's go to a last question and i'm going to request that you talk about the one what feeling or truth have you organized oh, yeah. your life around avoiding yeah so one of the questions i've asked myself before and i've asked others before is the question what feeling or truth have you organized your life around avoiding that is a strong question. Everybody has one. Yeah. Okay. Everybody. And I think about, um, well, so, you know, let's, uh, let's say that uh, a feeling that you've avoided most of your life is grief. Mm-hmm. You just don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. And you have organized your life around avoiding it. For example, you have made sure that you are so busy that mm. there is no time to feel that feeling. Uh, or there's a truth, mm-hmm. you know, that that you've avoided having to face, you mm-hmm. know, like it might be um, that your marriage is failing mm. and you just have organized your life mm-hmm. around avoiding that truth yeah. and having to deal with it. And I could give a whole host of other sure. examples. Right. But there's another great journal prompt. And for those who don't know what I mean, a prompt is you, you throw that question on the top of the page and then you just begin to write and explore it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You think about it in the car at red lights. You know, you just begin to wrestle with it. Yeah. You know, um, what what is the feeling you have organized your life around avoiding? It could be self-hatred. Mm hmm. Uh, it could be terrific anger at somebody, your parents, uh, a former spouse. It's like, I don't want to feel, and you come up with all kinds of strategies mm-hmm. to avoid wrestling with that truth or that feeling. Mm. And so the question, what is it? What truth or feeling have you organized your life around avoiding? And you might say, well, and what's, what's been my strategy? Mm-hmm. That's good. Right? Oh. What's the strategy I've used to avoid that truth? Or, or that feeling. Like, like, here's an example. Okay. Let's say you're an Enneagram 3. Mm-hmm. And you have thrown your life into a pursuit of, you know, recognition, of success. Uh, and, but underneath it, there may be this feeling that I don't have any value, mm-hmm. which would be a typical fear for an Enneagram 3. Mm-hmm. And you ask yourself the question, what feeling or truth am, have I organize my life around avoiding you might come away saying i feel like no one will love me unless i excel Uh, i've always felt like um, i needed to, to be more than who i am just to be at baseline with everybody else and then you follow that question with what strategy am i using yeah, and I, I have yes, and I've met a lot of sixty-year-old threes who are like, I spent, I have spent, thirty years, working, 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 excelling, excelling, and I, and all of it has been in service to this. I don't want to face the fact that I feel kind of inferior, mm-hmm. or whatever it may be, yeah. right? And and this has been a strategy, yeah, to help me 
avoid dealing with that truth and that feeling. I love this. And the whole idea of the journaling thing, it's so much easier to start with these questions instead of a blank page. Mm. And you identify this truth or feeling that you're avoiding. And then if you identify the strategy, then in real time, you can catch yourself, right? Oh, yeah. That's so good. Okay, so here's what's great about this episode out there, our Typology listening audience. This week, as I said at the top of the program, Ian is going to be posting a question every day after this episode drops. And what we'd love to have is for you to comment, reply, even post some of your own questions. But we'd just love to have you engage in this whole idea. I love that. I would love it if people have courageous questions that people have asked them or they've asked others that they would share with me because then I'll put them in my question book. Love it. Actually, what let's do is when you finish your post, just say, hey, I'd love to hear from you and your courageous questions. And you can just say, post those down below. So I'm just giving you a heads up. That's what's going to be happening. We'd love to hear from you all. And I would love to hear from different Enneagram types, you Mm -hmm. know, like the different questions Mm, that have come their way that for them as a type seven, a type one, a type three have really... um, upended them in a good way yeah it might have been hard but you you know what i mean oh this is exciting yeah can i give you another one yeah here's one for like here's an example of a good one for an enneagram four okay right or even an enneagram one Mm -hmm. but it could be for all types but those two types come to mind right away it's such an obvious question but sometimes the best questions are so right in front of your face that's right are you willing to be happy Mm. wow You know, like, let's just face something. The Buddhists are right about something. And that is, everybody want to be happy. (laughs) Right? Right, yeah. It's just an obvious thing. Now, when we say happy, it's not like, you know, balloon happy. Right. What I mean is like, we want to feel at peace in the world. Mm -hmm. We we want to have a sense of, of, we're okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we want to have, um, like, a sense that we belong. Mm Mm-hmm. All these sorts of things. We want to be happy. Yeah. Now, I've had Christians say to me, happiness is like second rate. What you want to be is joyful. And then I say to him, yeah, but wouldn't it make... Okay, if that's the case... <laughs> you don't sound happy to begin well, with. Well, that's, that's the first thing. But then I, was, I would say something to me. So what you're saying is, is that if you were joyful, it would make you happy. Right, yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it's an inescapable fact. Yeah. Everybody wants to be happy. Yeah. That's beautiful. And it's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. The problem is a lot of people simply aren't willing to Mm -hmm. be happy. Mm. And they haven't ever stopped to ask themselves the question, oh, okay, am I really willing to be happy? Right. Because I've met Enneagram 4s, man, who are so addicted to their suffering that when you say to them, are you willing to be happy? They'll be like, let me get back to you on that. (laughs) No, but they'll be like, let me get back to you on that. Because it's like I have so identified with my unhappiness. Mm -hmm. That's right. Who will I be if I'm not this? If I'm not unhappy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, or uh, let's say if you're an Enneagram one, are you willing to be happy? Yeah, but that's going to mean that I'm going to have to give up the need to be I have right. To loosen my grip to loosen my grip control and yeah, my need to be right. So are you, you know, are you just willing to be happy? How many times mm. have I got up in the morning and like one thing has happened that has thrown me off and I'm like this day sucks and my life sucks. You know, you mm-hmm. go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And then I'll, I may say to myself something like, well, you know, one bad thing happened this morning, but have you stopped to think about the fact that 10,000 things went right? Right. Like you were, you got out of bed this morning. That's You're right. alive. Yeah. Right. 
Uh, you woke up. You woke up in a house yeah. with a roof and right. clean water. Yeah. Uh, you got up this morning and uh, you your family is healthy. Mm-hmm. Or whatever the, the answers are. There's 10,000 yeah. things in your body that went right that make you able to That's be right. alive this yes. morning and doing life. Yeah. But we don't, we just, you know, our attention rivets on the one thing that went wrong. You know, mm. it's like, there's no frosted flakes in the, you know, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and, but, you know, are you willing to be happy? And of course, that can get to even much bigger questions than that. That's right. It could it, be that like. That leads to other questions immediately. Yeah. <clears throat> to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of us, if we really stop to think about it, it's like, I'm not sure. Yeah. Because not being happy has sort of worked for me for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. Or what am I willing to do yeah. to be that? If I mm-hmm. really am you know, willing to be happy, what does that require of me? Yeah, or you know, a lot of times, I think about the this, this serenity prayer in the last two lines of it is, so that I may be reasonably happy mm-hmm. in this life mm-hmm. and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Whew. Now, I love the phrase reasonably happy. Mm-hmm. Most of us, think that life should give us supreme happiness mm-hmm. right yeah. it's like good luck yeah you your life might be punctuated yeah. <laughs> by moments of supreme happiness or whatever right. but you know if you get up in the morning and just say you know what i'm reasonably happy right i, I just reasonably happy is really a great space to be it in is. you know you're willing to say i got a little problem over here i'm having a little stress and friction over here but i'm reasonably happy yeah uh, maybe when people ask you how you doing maybe a great answer would be i'm reasonably happy that's good and reasonably happy is awesome mm-hmm. yeah it is you know because we're always going to be a mixture of light and shadow, right? It's totally. always going to be good and bad. It's yeah. always going to be gladness with sadness. So to be able to right-size your expectations. Yeah. So beautiful. are you willing to be happy? That's good. That's a good question. That's yeah. a great one to go out on. All right, folks. Are you willing to be happy? All right. Stay tuned for more. And uh, be sure and check out all the socials at Ian Morgan Cron and at Typology Podcast. Typology family, may you have love. May you have joy. May you have peace. May you have healing. May you have rest. Until next time.